Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Victoria Forstick. So Dr. Victoria Forstick is a sport and exercise medicine doctor based at the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra. Before joining the AIS, she worked in women's Australian rules football. Her research at the moment has been called the Mum Elite Project, and that's looking at women returning to sport after having a baby. So who better to turn to than Victoria when we're looking at pregnancy in sport? So without further ado, it's time to welcome Victoria onto the show. Victoria, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. Absolutely fantastic. It's great to have you here. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, so um, I'm one of the doctors or sport doctors at the Australian Institute of Sport, which is based in Canberra, Australia. And I've been working for the last couple of years within women's sport as a team doctor um, for a professional Australian rules football club. And then since coming here to the AIS at the beginning of 2021, I've been focusing on some research, looking into elite athletes and returning to sport after having a baby and what will help them or prevent them to do so. Yeah, some some super interesting research and obviously really important as well because, yeah, it's not just uh, elite athletes that have children. Um, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of people in the world who happen to do that as well. Um, and, of course, they can learn a lot of lessons from, from athletes who then get back to top fitness. Um, but can you then give us a little bit of uh, an insight into your research? So what, what exactly does that entail? Yeah, sure. So we um, working in my little research team and in collaboration with some researchers in Norway, we've created a online survey um, based on a survey previously used in Norway, um, looking at predominantly the facilitators and barriers of returning to sport in those high performance athletes and also finding out general information about those athletes in terms of the type of sport, the training that they were able to do during pregnancy, whether they had any physical symptoms that were preventing them from continuing training or competing during pregnancy or after pregnancy, and then, yeah, basically finding out what their experiences and perceptions are about returning or not being able to return. We had created this survey and we have tested it amongst a small cohort of of Australian elite athletes um, to make sure that the survey is reliable so that it is a reproducible survey. And then about two weeks ago on the 13th or a couple of weeks ago on the 13th of November, we were able to launch our full project, which is called the Mum Elite Project. And that's launched that on a national scale to get as many athletes who would fit our criteria um, within Australia to fill out the survey so we can get some really rich data in how we can better support these athletes. And is that something that's that's not very well done at the moment? I mean, obviously, yeah, you, you have to perform that research for a good reason. Like, Is that something that's, that's undervalued or underused in the, in the current situation? Yeah, so our particular study is the first of its kind in Australia um, and even worldwide this area is has not been well researched. We don't have great evidence behind um, how we can better support these athletes in returning, but also what is safe um, in 
terms of physical activity and guidelines to return to sport, particularly for that elite athlete group. There are guidelines around the world and still within Australia from, you know, our College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology about guidance for physical activity during pregnancy or after pregnancy, but nothing specifically in the elite athlete population. So not only is there limited research in Australia, evidenced by this being the first of its mm-hmm. kind, but around the world there's only been about 10 studies um, globally that have looked in this into this area. So we want to contribute to that worldwide knowledge as well, but our study is focusing on the Australian health system. I guess it's super interesting. Obviously, it can be quite difficult to, to recruit participants in the elite setting when many of them uh, plan their pregnancy potentially for after their career, right? Because obviously, it can have a huge impact. And I can imagine a lot of people are worried then that the, the impact will be large on the, the sporting performance. Um, but then what, what is the impact of pregnancy on sport and exercise? Have you got any, any statistics and data to, to show us what happens? Yeah, so um, I mean, there's lots of things that happen in pregnancy to a to a woman um, while they're growing a little baby inside. But you know, there there in terms of participation in in sport, you know, there was in 2009 a you know landmark case allowing women to continue to play sport here during pregnancy. Um, but before this, as you mentioned, you know, most women stop playing sport or had planned their pregnancy after they had retired thinking that it was not going to be possible to either continue training or playing whilst they were pregnant or even thinking that it was possible to return after giving birth. But um, but most, you know, women who do continue or have continued to play sport tend to stop during their second trimester because of the anatomical and physiological changes that they experience during pregnancy. and. It is uh, research so far in Australia has shown that about you know fifty percent of Australian women in particular of childbearing age do engage in sufficient exercise um, based on you know Australian guidelines with how much you should be doing as the general population, um, but that fewer women tend to engage in exercise during pregnancy as they had previously perceived it as being unsafe for the mother and the child. But we now know with research around the world that this is not the case, but still that only about 30% or less participate in exercise while they're pregnant. So we have seen that they, you know, reduce their frequency, duration, their intensity as the pregnancy progresses. They are likely those who exercise before they are pregnant, though, so potentially your elite, you know, with your elite athletes, they are likely to continue doing at least some form of exercise during pregnancy. And then again, those who exercise during pregnancy are more likely to do exercise after pregnancy. Um, but there are a lot of physiological impacts of pregnancy, and this can obviously affect how or what type of, of sport or exercise that they can participate in. And, and everyone is individual. So, no, you know, one thing, it's not one size fits all for them. And what are the kind of uh, physiological impacts then? Because obviously um, I can imagine when you're carrying some kind of gigantic alien in your belly, um, some things are more difficult than others, right? Like jumping up and down is probably less comfortable than, uh, than swimming. So what, what are the physiological impacts then um, and how does that affect how people can exercise? Yeah, so it's... Um, 
sure everyone knows, you know, the body changes a lot during pregnancy. So <laughs> in particular, you know, in the first in the first trimester, there's rapid development of the growing baby and um but actually there's there's little change to the mother's size and body shape um but there are hormones that are going around the body and one in particular called relaxin which actually has an effect on the ligaments of the body so um can cause them to you know have increased laxity or stretchiness and you can get pain associated with that so there are certain things that if you have when that's circulating, you can find a little bit more pain, particularly around the pelvic girdle or the lower back. Um, also during that first trimester, fatigue and feeling sick, the nausea or the morning sickness can actually be quite a significant barrier to exercise in that first few months because they just don't feel up to doing it. But there is actually some evidence to suggest that actually can, continuing to participate in exercise can actually help um that pregnancy fatigue, help com- combat that pregnancy fatigue. Also because of that growing baby, it's really important not to overheat during that first stage of pregnancy. So people might avoid exercising in really hot and humid conditions and um, doing certain types of exercise where they're really bringing up their, their core body temp. But things change again, you know, as the pregnancy progresses. So in the second trimester, actually they tend to start feeling a little bit more normal in inverted commas with, you know, less nausea or um, and fatigue. And But really the main consideration during this time for sport participation in particular is about the fact that you're getting a growing belly. So how is that affecting your movement? So, again, things change again when you get to the third trimester um, where women are getting an even bigger belly. Um, so it does make it harder to exercise against you have a bit of a you know grace period during the second trimester but in the third trimester you get more increased fatigue and carrying that extra weight and you know your pelvic pain and instability and low back pain are really common in this time period when you know the bump is increasing in size and can be really difficult to activate the abdominal muscles um and you have that less that not as much control and stability and with pregnancy, no matter whether you're a you know everyday woman or an athlete, there are so many changes that occur in the body that affect all the systems. You know, the heart, the lungs, the bones, the muscles, the ligaments, and it's really important to modify the type of physical activity that they do during pregnancy um, as the body changes. And that's a really individual thing to work out with medical professionals, but it is important to avoid activity that has high risk of falling or collision, such as horse riding or contact sport, activity that requires really heavy lifting or significant changes in pressure, such as scuba diving or skydiving, or really any exercise or sport that's going to give them pain or discomfort. So that in particular is going to be very individual. But there are so many benefits of exercise during pregnancy and, you know, just some of them are keeping your fitness and gaining strength, improving your well-being, but also decreasing the risk of pregnancy complications, such as high blood pressure um, and decreasing that fatigue. As I mentioned before, it actually pregnancy can help combat or exercise can help help combat that pregnancy fatigue um, and also avoiding that excessive weight gain and, and being able to get that baby weight off after pregnancy in a safe way. 
I think that's uh, some excellent advice and, uh, and really interesting to hear that there's um, some some really serious considerations for stuff which which I didn't expect. I didn't expect many people to be skydiving at that point, but um, obviously there are some physiological reasons why you shouldn't be, uh, other than the fact that uh, it's just nuts. Um, but um, what what then uh, can pregnant women do? So we've got we've got a list of stuff which is maybe uh, yeah not ideal. But what what are some some options which are maybe uh, easier on the the joints, ligaments, and uh, and the belly? It kind of depends where you're talking, um, whether you're talking about elite athletes or um, everyday women, and it kind of depends on what they've done before. Like if if the pregnant woman was exercising before, like running or you know doing some yoga or some strength training, that's all safe to do. As, as but that might then need to be modified as the pregnancy progresses. And it just depends on how they're feeling. But it's really important to just keep that really individual. But it's from a guidelines from an Australian perspective, you know, still doing about 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate or vigorous intensity exercise, which can be accumulated but occurring on most days of every week. And that should be consisting of, you know, a range of things of aerobic exercises, um, resistance-based exercises, and also introducing that pelvic floor control and exercises, in, in, which is really important not only during pregnancy but also after pregnancy to prevent some complications like urinary incontinence, for example. But um, it's really important to just work with um, a whole team of people to work out what's safe and best for these athletes or or the general population so liaising with you know the obstetrician and gynecologist what they think is safe and whether it's a high-risk pregnancy or a low-risk pregnancy if there are elite athletes working with coaches strength and conditioning coaches physios and dietitians to just ensure that everything that they do is safe and also you know appropriate for what they want to get out of their exercise whilst they're pregnant I think that's uh, some super important stuff. And then when we've uh, so we, we've gone through the the whole pregnancy stage, um, when they've given birth, obviously, yeah, super important that they do that uh, <laughs> properly. Um, but then at some point, they're going to want to return to sport. So what the what the considerations when women are then going to return to sport, and is there is there anything they really need to to consider uh, in particular compared to other athletes or to, to other people yeah so um similar to when you they're you know exercising during pregnancy it's again a very individual thing of what you need to consider when returning to sport but some of the big considerations are the type of delivery so whether it's a you know normal delivery or normal vaginal delivery or a cesarean section because you know if you have a cesarean section it's abdominal surgery so it's really six weeks of not doing a lot because um, you need to let all that heal. Um, so that's going to be, you know, a big determinant of when people can go back to doing any physical activity or returning to sport. But also other complications that might have happened after delivery or during delivery, delivery, such as bleeding or, you know, how their pelvic floor is functioning after birth, what their sleep is like. Like if you're struggling to sleep because of a crying baby, you know, you're not you're going to have so much fatigue potentially that you're just not going to be able to maintain the ability to train or, or participate in sport. Um, whether they still have some pelvic pain or low back pain, 
if they've suffered from urinary incontinence because that might be, you know, prevent them from doing certain activities like jumping around. Um, and in nutrition is really important to consider when returning to sport as well. And and the other thing about, you know, if you're breastfeeding or not breastfeeding and timing that with sporting um, training and what you should be doing in regards to that. Um, and another really important thing that a lot of people forget is having a good bra after after having a baby is you need a good sports bra if you're going to return to sport after training because, you, you you know, they will have changed a lot during pregnancy. So it's really important to protect them um, afterwards as well. But and that's, that's, you important, know, that's important regardless of pregnancy, right? Like there's, yes, there's some pretty, yes, pretty solid research on, on showing that that's a super important thing to, to get sorted. Yeah, and a lot of people just, you know, buy off-the-shelf sports bras and they, they don't fit right. They're not um, – you know, supported in the right areas or, or the type of activity that they're doing, you know, you just don't want that trauma to the breasts and that is, again, you know, it's important for everyone but also very important for those, particularly if you're breastfeeding, that you want to protect and not cause any trauma to to your breast while you're feeding your baby. Absolutely excellent advice. So for those, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, so for those uh, women who've then uh, given birth, Obviously, they've got a support team around them, right? And that can include friends, family, and their, their coaches, physios, etc. Um, how can they best be supported? Like, how can the, that team around uh, the mum support that woman going through uh, the pregnancy period, but also then the the post pregnancy period? It's a million dollar question, to be honest. <laughs> which is what part of my research is looking at. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know. As I said, you know, very limited evidence-based research in this area, um, which is what we're looking at as to where we can provide that support. But I think, you know, overall without going into specifics because I don't know what my research is going to show, but, you know, it's working within a team, you know, with your partner, with your coaches, with your teammates, with your medical practitioners. Um, That's really important to have great communication and working as a team, as a whole, with goals in mind. But, you know, offering to help, finding ways that we can help with feeding or provide facilities, um, If depending on what facilities there are from a national scale and from a travel and it, trying to make sure that sporting organisations have the capacity to support these athletes in, you know, whether that's childcare or provisions for travel and making sure that the baby can come along with them for example but it's finding ways that we can just make the it easier for these women and it you know it it's always going to be hard I'm never going to you know it's not going to be an easy journey but there are ways that we can make it easier for these athletes but it's really working in a team and and just having that real good support network. Absolutely excellent stuff. So when when we look at all of those things together, right? Like we've gone through a, a range of different physiological backgrounds, um, some return to sports stuff, and how to support a mum. But when we put that all together, can you give us an example or a case study where that's happened before, so you can put it into some practical context? 
Yeah, so we've um, we've had a number of athletes, not only in Australia but also worldwide, who have returned to sport post-pregnancy um, and, you know, breaking world records, winning Olympic medals. It's been great. But, you know, one in particular here in Australia has um, – she competed at the Rio Olympics and then had her baby in between Rio and Tokyo. And she did struggle with having some support and there wasn't a lot of – information out there of how you know to arrange her feeding and um around her training times and travel and she had a really supportive husband but it's it was still difficult to be able to return to that elite sport level um but she you know heavily relied on her husband her husband and also her family to assist with that but Finding for her, it was about finding information from other women who have gone through the same thing as her. So, and that's where the research comes in in being able to collect, you know, collate that information from a range of people within Australia and um, for my study that can help support or give information to athletes and staff and coaches to give not only guidelines about safe return to physical activity and sport from a physical perspective which is in the works as an additional project to mine but those other general support networks of how we can best do that that we have seen people who have successfully done it in in Australia and worldwide but not everyone has been successful and a lot of people have come up to me and said you know I wish we knew more about this you know 10 years ago when I was in this position um, because they just thought it was something that wasn't possible in their athletic career it was you know it was something that was done after you retired but if we can get as much information that is evidence-based then and have these stories from women around the world and in Australia that we can encourage this to see it as a norm and not an exception. Absolutely excellent. So Victoria, massive thanks for your time and wisdom today. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, hopefully doing it again soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. Cheers. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Victoria for all of her hard work into this podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, there are tons of great lectures in the Coach Academy. And you can get in there completely for free using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time. And of course, any reviews which you might want to leave on the podcast sender you're currently listening to us on. Uh, they are also fantastically appreciated because it's super important about spreading the great word of the podcast. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.